0: Our first reading this week is from Hebrews, chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, and you can find it on page 240 of your Pew Bibles. The meaning of faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this he received approval as righteousness, God himself giving approval to his gifts. He died, but through his faith he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken so that he did not experience death, and he was not found because God had taken him, for it was attested before he was taken away that he had pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And the second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And you can find this on page 38 of your pew Bibles. Jesus heals the paralytic. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many, gathered, so many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.'" Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, "'Why does this fellow speak in this way?' It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up? And take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. It's been um, good to have the opportunity of addressing you this morning. I've done it on... Occasions before, but only to give a brief word. This time they've asked me to actually bring a word from Scripture. And if you've heard me before, you will know that I have um, a sense of humor. So I'm going to begin uh, this with a a bit of a humorous story before I get into the text. Um, About a year or so ago, uh, as, as I suppose some of you do, I came downstairs and I turned on my iPad and I received a message from an old friend a minister friend in England, and uh, he told me a story. It was a story, and after the story was finished, I, I laughed for about five, five minutes or so. So I'm going to share that story with you because it's pertinent to what I'm going to bring uh, today. The story went like this. There was a black Pentecostal church somewhere in, in England, and uh, Elroy had been invited along for the first time. He was going through some problems and they invited him. So Elroy was at the back of the church. And uh, in this church tradition, at the end of the service, people were invited to come forward for prayer. So, so the pastor of the church said, is there anybody here who would like prayer? And uh, very tentatively, hand goes up from Elroy. I'd like some prayer. Come forward, says the, the minister. And he, he comes forward to the front. What can I do for you? He said, I could do with prayer for my hearing right, he said, will you kneel down here and I will pray for you? So Elroy knelt down and the pastor put his fingers in Elroy's ears and began to pray softly to begin with, gaining pace till it came to a crescendo with amens and hallelujahs all over the church. And then he asked Elroy to stand up. Elroy, will you please stand? Can you tell me, has my prayer helped you this morning? Elroy looks confused. And he says to the pastor, can I tell you next week? Come on, Elroy, tell us now. How's this prayer helped you? He says, I can't tell you now. My hearing doesn't take place. It takes place in courtroom number three (laughs) next Wednesday. (laughs) Be careful what you pray for, I suppose, is the moral of that story. What are we addressing this morning? Uh, we are addressing a divine healing. Uh, I was interested that we prayed for the children as they, as they went out. My earliest recollections of going to any church was to a mission hall. Uh, we lived on the, the posh side of Merseyside in a, a block of flats. We were right at the top, and then down below us there was a mission hall. I was sent there every, day, every, every Sunday. My recollections of it are really quite happy You know, we were singing at that time, do you remember these songs? I am H-A-P-P-Y, I am H-A-P-P-Y, I know I am, I'm sure I am. We sang all of those. And the stories of Jesus became very personal to me at a very young age. And the one I remember most is this one. Uh, It's found in Mark's Gospel, and it relates to a story of, of a man who is paralyzed, who is brought to Jesus, who is ministering at that time, Very powerfully and in a popular fashion in Palestine, and they bring him and they lower him through the roof to Jesus, expecting that Jesus would heal him. And Jesus does. But there are healings here at two levels there is a physical healing, and there is also a spiritual healing as well. And I want us to look at that in tandem. Uh, In 1966, can any of you remember that far back, the Beatles were about to tour America, and John Lennon gave an interview to a journalist in London in which he claimed that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. Let me quote uh, Lennon in that article. Christianity, he said, will go. It will vanish. I need not argue about that. This is Lenin, 66. (coughs) We are more popular now than Jesus. We are more popular now than Jesus. Well Lennon has come and gone. I don't know what you think of his music. I quite like his music. There's there's a confession. Maybe I need to confess that. He's come and gone. Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try, no hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say, I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Is the world at peace? Is it at peace? Were the Beatles, as popular as they were, able to change the world for the better? They tried. Now, who is popular here? Jesus is popular. He's going around the villages and he's preaching and teaching so popular in fact would he become that he issues a warning to a leper that he'd healed not to disclose what had happened to him because he couldn't enter the villages that he was so popular then he arrives home in capernaum and this happens <laughs> some friends bring a paralyzed man to him with the expectation On the basis of what they'd heard, that Jesus would be able to heal him completely. It's a remarkable story. And there are so many different facets of the story that I could dwell on this morning. In the earlier service, I was dealing with the fact that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, whatever tradition we come from, in terms of church and the government of church, the crucial thing in the Scriptures is this. Do you believe in God? Do you believe that he exists? Do you believe that he is able to do what he says and claims he can do? So, in the reading from Hebrews... It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he exists. And those who come to God like that receive a reward. Um, I have studied down through the years. I, have a, I hold an MA and a PhD in church history and dogma. And I've discovered that down through the years, theologians... I've tried to define what true faith is. There can be false faith, you see. What is true faith? Three Latin words they use to describe what true faith is. One, it's notitia. What does that mean? I don't speak Latin. I'm just trying to impress you this morning. Notitia. That intellectually, in my mind, I accept that God's word is true truth. Can I ask you this morning... Intellectually, in your minds, do you accept that God's word is true truth? So it's notitia; It's hearing God's word. It's understanding his revelation. It's responding in the light of that intellectually to it. I haven't got time to develop this this morning, but I have no problem whatsoever in believing that this world and the universe in which we live is here by intelligent design. I have no problem whatsoever in believing that God created the world in which we live. None whatsoever. You can argue with me afterwards if you like, if you have a different perspective. I'll give you my reasons. But I have intellectual reasons for believing that. The basis of my faith is that God exists and He rewards those who come to Him. The second element of faith, as theologians have taught it, is this, a census. Notitia, a census. A census means that you hear, you read God's word, his truth, and you accept it. You assent to it. Uh, when I was 18, <laughs> uh, I became a Christian. I, I really hadn't too much time for church before that, but under the influence of good people, I began to understand the message, and I gave assent to the essential message, and I was baptized on Easter day. My family were there. What was I doing through the waters of baptism? You may do it differently in your tradition. I was saying yes to truth. I was giving assent to it. The third element of faith, according to Good theologians is this: notitia, intellectually I accept truth; a census, I accept the truth, and then thirdly, fideusia, I rely upon truth. I rely upon it. You see. Now, had we changed the church here and we had chairs, <laughs> I could have illustrated the point. From the time I was very small, I was told, "This is a chair. This is what it's called." I could go into the carpenter shop and I could see a chair being constructed. So in my mind, I'm assenting to the fact that this is a chair. I'm giving credence to the fact that this is a chair, but what is the chair asking me to do? It's asking me, or it wouldn't be a chair for me unless I sat on it and proved it. Do you see the difference? I know it's a chair. I know it's constructed as a chair, but I have to sit on it. That is fiducia. I have to rest in faith. On God. Now, uh, Sarah's here. I've used this illustration many, many times. I'm going to do it again because you haven't heard it. Uh, She'll be gracious enough, I'm sure, uh, that I I repeat it again. I was in a church at at 18, 19, and, and the pastor one day said to me, Could you go and visit the oldest member of our church? And I said, Yes, I'll be happy to do that. So I arrived on a wet Wednesday evening, and this lady came to the door. She had a bout of shingles, and it had affected her eyesight. I said, I'm here from the church. The pastor's invited, uh, asked me to come along. Come in, she said, come in. I was taken down a very narrow hallway into a side room, and um, I spent an hour with this lady. And I would say (laughs) um, that that hour of fellowship was very, very precious. This is why I believe that churches should be made up of all kinds of ages. Very, very precious. I sat with her at the end of it. She said, would you read to me, David, before you go? I said, yes, of course. I took the old Bible and I read from John's gospel, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. And as I read those words, she took my hands and she squeezed them and she said, bless you, my boy. I have lived in the light of these promises for 40 years, and the Lord has never failed me once. She rested in faith on Jesus. So that's one element here. The second element is this that comes out very clearly from the text. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit, this is the opponent's, Why does this fellow talk like this? Son, your sins are forgiven. Only God can forgive sins. You see what they're saying by way of criticism. Jesus, we don't know where you come from, but only God can forgive sins. Why are you thinking these things, said the Savior? Which is easier? To say to this man, your sons are forgiven, or your sins are forgiven, or to say to him, take up your mat and go home. And in the midst of them all, he took up his mat and walked through the door. What did that prove, folks? It proved that the man who was standing in that room that day was the son of the eternal God. The word of God made flesh. The one who came as a result of the promise of the prophets, who was standing in front of them as God made man. And when he said, your sins are forgiven, you can rest assured, their sins were forgiven. And to prove it. You see, this this miracle of healing um, wasn't just to, to titillate the crowd, it was to prove something. What was it to prove that Jesus and Jesus alone has power on earth to forgive sins and to restore us to God and to make us right with God and to, so that we might have fellowship with God um, in Abergavenny, somewhere, solicitor's office, I've already written out my funeral service. It's there. When I go, they're going to, to follow that. And there's a hymn that I want sung. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul my sin oh the bliss of this glorious thought my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul I haven't got the power to confer the forgiveness of sins on you no man has the power to do that It would be an insult to God if a man claimed that he could do it. But this I know this morning. That the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, has power on earth to forgive every and any sin. And in a world in which we live, and you will work tomorrow or go home uh, to family, of neuroses and guilt and angst, we have a message Peace, perfect peace in this dark world of sin. The blood of Jesus whispers. Peace. Within. How do you know this? How can you come to know it? (laughs) By faith. Let me give you another funny because you look very serious at the moment. Okay? I don't mean you to be serious. We can enjoy a bit of humor. I had a Christmas cracker this year. I, I, I've based a whole gospel story on a Christmas cracker. You know, the hat, the crown, the the, the 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 joke is the mystery, and then the gift being the gift. So we had Christmas crackers, and I pulled one. I don't normally read these things because they're so banal, don't you find? Who sits somewhere and thinks about all the... anyway? This one was brilliant. Out it came, and I, this is the best one I've ever heard. This is how it went. Um, Why did the scarecrow win an award? Anybody had the same crackers? Exactly. Because he was outstanding in his own field. Fantastic. That's good. I'll use that. Who is Jesus? Great teacher, yes. Great healer, yes. But outstanding in his own field. Why? Because only he, only he, can forgive sins. When can he do it? How does he do it? Does it take forever for us to experience this? No. Immediately. The healing was immediate. And so can forgiveness be as well. You may have come here this morning not even thinking about these things, but, you know, I can say to you from personal experience, the moment you rest upon him, the minute you believe in him, immediately He brings you to himself, doesn't he? I come from a Baptist tradition, not an Anglican. My time is going, Brian, I'm sorry. One more illustration, okay, from history. Um, In Victorian times, there was a famous uh, Baptist preacher called Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Some of you may have heard of him or even written or or read his works and uh, Spurgeon was raised in Essex and uh, we were ministering for years in Essex and I had the opportunity of uh, of preaching in the chapel where Spurgeon came to know Christ before I left it's in Artillery Street in Colchester and um, Spurgeon was about 17 when he came to faith and this is what he writes he'd been going around to all kinds of churches in Colchester looking for the answer trying to find the way and he said one snowy January morning he said, I was on the way to church, an Anglican church, if you're pleased to know. And uh, he said, I couldn't get there because of the snow drifts. So he said, I, I, I turned down a side road, and there halfway down the road was a, a primitive Methodist church, a box chapel. He said, the only thing, Spurgeon said in his diary, the only thing I'd ever heard about the primitive Methodists is that they sang so loudly they made people's heads ache. But that didn't matter to me, he said. And he turned into this chapel, and he sat there, and the minister that was supposed to arrive couldn't, have, couldn't arrive because of the weather conditions, so they had to get somebody just from the congregation to give them a word. And this was the text. Look unto me, and be you saved, all the ends of the earth. And Spurgeon said, I was sat there, and this man was preaching, and he said he really didn't have very much to say and so at the end of the service to pad it out a bit he, he turned to Spurgeon and he pointed at him and he said young man and he said well that, I wasn't used to having being personally addressed from the pulpit before He said, young man you'll be miserable in life and you will be miserable in death if you do not obey the words of this text now look unto me and Spurgeon writes in an instant I saw it I saw how Jesus had died for me. He said, I went into that chapel at 10 o'clock, not knowing the truth, I came out two hours later as converted, as saved, as anybody could be. Why? Because I looked to him. We're going to sing. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's, Own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One, thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Was Lenin right? Can I ask you when to go home to look up YouTube and what's happening in China? Do you know they cannot print enough Bibles at the moment? They're running them off the presses because so many people in China, are coming to faith in Christ. How? By hearing the word and by faith responding to it so that Jesus becomes their saviour too. If you haven't come in this way to him, may I encourage you to read the words of the song that we're about to sing and put your faith in Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father full of grace and full of truth. Let's stand, shall we, and sing.